Man's operating on less money than Kerry Katona. He's on a value thingy, you know. I'm tasting the difference in reverse. A man like Ashley Ash should be on a lunchtime salmon teriyaki rice bowl thing. Standard. Coarsely cut coriander, lime wedge. Mmm. Man, a man's a wagamama man every day. You want to go to the MS Simply game? Okay. I remember the days I used to pick up a little spiced bun, pack of cashews, and some Percy Pigs moy to the till like it was nothing. Vulgar. You want a plastic bag for 5p? Yes, please. Give me three and a bag of life to put them in. Eat my lunch, bin the lot. Senseless waste. Hello there, chums, and welcome to the long-awaited <laughs> and eagerly anticipated episode 18 of Have You Seen This? Joining me, as always, the two co-hostesses with the most S's, where the bloody hell have we been, and Lord have mercy on our souls. Hello, strangers. <laughs> How are we doing, everyone? We're all right? Nice. I'm trying to place that quote. I always try and place the quotes at, at what film it might be, at what time period. There are a lot of modern references to very specific British products there, but I don't know what film that's from. Hot take, by the way. I don't really like Percy Pigs. Well, yeah, I get it. I don't like anything foamy. It's like you're eating a bit of sponge. Don't like yeah. it, not a fan. Like marshmallows. Marshmallows have no place in the world. I mean, I'm literally <laughs> eating a marshmallow right now. <laughs> what are the odds? I was inspired by Quiet Place to eat some marshmallow. <laughs> Attempting to put this episode together has been about as difficult as it has been for Tottenham finding a new manager. But we pulled some springs, we jumped through some hoops, and we even got a babysitter to free up some time today because two Bens just isn't enough for one podcast. We are overjoyed to be joined by a third Ben that can only be described as a true legend of the cinema game. From Paramount Pictures, it's only bloody Ben, bloody French. Hello, Ben. Hello. How you doing? All good, mate. All good. Lovely to see you. Lovely to see you too. Pleased that we've managed to get it together. Yes. Oh, <laughs> together at last. Right. So let's crack on then. So the big question from episode 17 was, from which film does this opening line come from? Come on, boys. The way you're lollygagging around with them picks and shovels, you'd think it was 120 degrees can't be more than 114 the correct answer has already been submitted by a friend of the show standby host and all-round good egg cinema nerd tristian cooper of course got this correct of course he has anybody else have the answer i mean i was stumped with this one so my guess was going to be and i don't i don't think this is right though but um oh brother where out though because i know that opens on a on a load of people chipping away at the side of a road similar scene but incorrect. Didn't want to burst your bubble last week, but I actually knew it last week when you said it because it's 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 my answer. If if I were ever to become no, a famous, you fucking didn't. If right. I was everybody become... listen back to the last episode when he said, oh, "I think it's some kind of prison movie." Go on, fucking <laughs> Mister Google. <laughs> it is my answer. If I were ever to become famous and end up on the Brett Goldstein Films to Be Buried podcast, it's actually my answer to what film made you laugh the most. So it's mm-hmm. uh, Blazing Saddles. <laughs> is correct. But directly contradicts your guess at the end of the last episode. Before no, you it doesn't. It, it doesn't at all. <laughs> I can definitely see why you cut the uh, why you cut the quote at that point as well. And I know it's one of Tris's favourite films, so for sure he was going to get it. Yeah, there's there's very little from that film I can actually quote apart from the opening line. Really, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well done, Breen. I fully trust that you had that in your back pocket. You will never ever believe that I know this stuff, but hey, sure I will. I've never been prouder of you. <laughs> Shall we move on? <laughs> Yeah, I phased out for a bit there. I just heard something, something Richard Dreyfus. <laughs> 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 
Uh, anyway, on to our regular show pre-started then, which is our big picks from the small screen. And it's a highlight of two or three things we have watched or perhaps streamed inside or even outside of cinemas now they're actually a thing. We love to start off our guest. So, Mr. French, what's been keeping you entertained? Well, I've seen quite a lot of films in the cinema since they reopened, which is great. Lovely to see. Two of the most recent ones have been The Father with Anthony Hopkins. Absolutely amazing performance. I feel for anybody who's obviously been through uh, similar stuff. Absolutely heartbreaking. But such a, uh, a brilliant central performance. And all the actors really bring... Uh, their A game. It's incredible. You, you guys, you definitely need to see it and say, like you said, you've ever had the unfortunate thing to know somebody that's actually had to deal with this horrible condition. Uh, it's it's so real, and the, the I think it's a really intelligent script. The construction and the nature of the way the, the script has been put together and the way it's been filmed perfectly encapsulates what's going on in somebody's head that's having to to deal with this awful thing. It's a, yeah, it's a wonderful wonderful film. Nice. Um, anything else, Ben? From the sublime to the ridiculous, nobody, which has taken <laughs> meets John Wick alike with Bob Odenkirk as the unlikely secret assassin. Delightful action nonsense. Basically, just absolutely rips up the screen. Do you ever want to see an assassin smash somebody's face into a lasagna whilst chasing down a kitty cat bracelet? <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> um, <laughs> And an incredible cameo from Christopher Lloyd. It's, it's really <laughs> wonderful. Amazing. Yeah, everyone that's uh, watched it in my cinema so far has come out absolutely beaming. So, yeah, it's it great is pick. great. Yeah. It doesn't seem to be doing that well. It just is a shame. It feels like a bit of a John Wick knockoff, but everyone who's seen it have said, actually, it's, it's got a sense of uh, cheekiness, a bit more fun to it than um, the Wick series. It's just uh, such good fun. And uh, the scenes that he's got in it, uh, you know, he's obviously playing the, uh, the everyman that's a bit worn down. And it opens with, uh, with a really nice seen montage of uh, of just mediocrity that really really kicks into gear halfway through it's brilliant i'm gonna have to check amazing. it out yeah cool awesome finally obviously one of the films we were going to cover on this was those who wish me dead and those who sat through this film uh, obviously will will know um some of the fun stuff that is to be had with this angelina <laughs> Jolie uh, thriller did you wish that you were dead having watched it i think i think the film is uh, is really good obviously it's it's from a, a good director uh, who's done some brilliant stuff in the past i loved her or high water and this this film's fine in terms of putting stuff up on the screen when the main character is basically the only person who's meant to alert about forest fires you probably want to have a backup radio or mobile phone or something <laughs> um, it's one of the worst advanced warning system for uh, forest fires ever it does seem very old-fashioned <laughs> And it just means that you've got Angelina Jolie, who is fantastic. She was so good and you just miss her now. Like, she's just not in enough films like this. But she just spends most of the time just, yeah, looking looking through binoculars off in a distance, looking forlorn. <laughs> It's it's got a really good concept, but it's 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 blessed with some of the the most ludicrous scenes in cinema history, where people are are, are trying to outrun not only fires. Lightning that, run! Uh, I've got it in capital the, letters here in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to outrun lightning by uh, basically stopping and then running again. Uh, I mean, as if lightning's able to track you. It's insane. <laughs> it, it may be based in science fact, but on it did look ludicrous uh, without any explanation. And then also trying to outrun a wall of flame uh, with no <laughs> smoke inhalation or heat damage or anything. I mean, it is insane but it is good fun and Aiden Gillen is like a proper shit like I don't think he can ever play a good guy now in his entire career his motivations make absolutely no sense but you're like oh don't want to mess with him yeah it is great fun Paul did you watch it yeah it's a fun ride but yeah as you said Ben Ben F but Frenchy Ben I don't know I'm going to have to <laughs> all of you Fre um, Frenchy's fun yeah it's a fun ride but it, it, it is 
completely ludicrous and you, you, yeah. you really genuinely have to switch your brain off to, yeah. to pro- and, not, yeah. and not engage with any potential science uh, involved but yes yeah, it's, it's certainly a very much a fun ride an unusual project for Angelina Jolie to do I don't know it's a, it's a strange one bearing in mind the type of films that she's been doing as an actress and as a director recently but uh, but maybe she just wanted to just kick out and have a bit of fun. It sounds like you're describing Land of the Lost with Will Ferrell when he's trying to outrun a T-Rex <laughs> by doing his Super G formation. You have to see the yeah. lightning run. The lightning run oh, is... Oh, it's so good. Yeah, but this isn't meant to be a comedy. <laughs> this presents as, a, a, as, a, as an objective action film. Yeah, oh. it's a proper 90s hack job. Like, all the familiar beats like, at the beginning. <laughs> like, Jolie's character does something crazy at the beginning just to prove like how much of a loose cannon she is. We see uh, Gillian and Holt's bad guys, basically, off people in a really cold calculated way to go oh don't fuck with them and we see a teenager make a series of really bad decisions in terms of which direction they should run away from the lightning apparently yeah (laughs) honestly you get the time do it Uh, I've just checked my calendar I'm very busy (laughs) (laughs) prioritise the father for sure yeah for sure yeah yeah Yeah. definitely Uh, definitely (laughs) so um, I watched uh, Cruella aka Needle Drop the movie the seemingly infinite amount of choice tunage peppered throughout this film makes the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack tame by comparison. It's crazy. And they play each one for about five seconds in that classic MTV. No one can pay attention for longer than three minutes. I'm not sure why, why this film exists. I mean, obviously money and IP, but it is pretty good fun. I had absolutely zero expectations. Emma Thompson and Emma Stone are having an absolute blast, especially Emma Thompson just as the villain is just absolutely deplorable. Really, really good. Um, the high-end sort of fashion chain angle for the whole thing is, is really, really good. Really good but yeah it's it's too long it does have pacing issues and quite frankly it doesn't really need to be a 101 dalmatians film it could just be its own sort of thing it doesn't need to be attached to this uh, ip whatsoever so i watched quiet place 2 which is hands down one of the best sort of cinematic experiences i've had since sort of the reopening it is as strong as the first entry like the plot it doesn't make a lick of sense under any sort of scrutiny like where's all the electricity coming from no idea who cares uh, if you're crafting tension as masterly as uh, Krasinski is in this, though, like it doesn't matter. It is proper popcorn, pure perfection. I had an absolute blast. It was amazing. Nice, slimy. Must have watched a scary film. Well, they're saying it's a horror. I've got sorry, I've got marshmallow in my mouth. Unbelievable. So it, they're saying it's a horror film, but for me, I think it's more of a science fiction thriller because there, yes, there are these bits that kind of make you jump, but yeah, it's not as like gory as, as other horrors. Were you it's eating marshmallows whilst you were watching it as well? I was eating popcorn. Bloody hell, I was so loud. People were actually looking around. One couple, one couple moved away from me because I was eating the popcorn too much. And that's with social distancing. There were two seats away. They decided to move a further four seats away from me. I'm great fun, by the way, guys, if you want to come see a film with me. That's great to hear. We we love putting it out there. And obviously the, the, the film itself really delivers. So great to hear that. It went down well with you guys. Yeah, and it's going down well at the box office. Yeah, yeah. It's just nice that a film like this shows faith in the industry because, you know, Mm. I put the standees and posters up pre-lockdown and I can't tell you how fucking overjoyed I was that this didn't (laughs) land on video on demand or any sort of streaming platform. Um, And actually, what, two, three weeks after cinemas opened, we launched with this and it's it's just great. As a cinema manager, very grateful and very happy that, you know, a studio like Paramount has said, actually, this is a fucking gem. Let's just keep it for the cinema. So it's great. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. amazing. Bring on the third one. Come on, make it happen. Frenchie, make it. <laughs> Third part of the trilogy coming to you uh, in 2023. Okay, there you go. You heard it here nice. first, guys. On HBO Max. <laughs> <laughs> the films that I watched, you guys have already talked about. So I'll just go for a couple of the team. Cool. Moving on then. So I watched it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Everybody's <laughs> waiting for it. Fuck you, Hammond. Uh, so. <laughs> 
So I'll just go through a couple of the TV shows that I watched. I'm on a bit of a, there's a guy, comedy actor, a guy called Samson Ko. He's had a few series out recently. Uh, Slice is the, the one he's had two seasons of about uh, pizza delivery guys. It's on Dave. Both seasons of that uh, are fantastic. And he's also then one of the stars of Bloods, which started, well, which has actually finished its run now on Sky with him, Jane Horrocks, Julian Barrett about paramedics, which again is hysterically funny, very much like Greenwing, almost vignettes of these characters throughout each episode, but very, very funny. And uh, Samson K.O. is a proper star. He's, he's going to be huge, uh, I think, in the future, definitely. And finally, I watched Invincible, which is the animated superhero series that's on prime based on a comic book it's fantastic boy god is it it's great violent. isn't it uh it's really so really good show the animation's fantastic uh the voice actors do a brilliant job on it and uh, yeah i would definitely recommend it if you if you like the boys it's definitely got a tone that's sort of similar to that certainly i say it doesn't shy away from the violence so yeah invincible was the is my third choice on on prime it's only half an hour an episode so yeah give it a go much better than jupiter's legacy i really yeah. like that so interesting that you mentioned sliced because i've gone back and watched all three series of phone shop if you right. haven't seen phone shop please go on foreign demand and uh, and watch it uh, so it's produced by phil boker who also produced things like sliced and time gentlemen please back with al mm. murray and that kind of stuff absolutely brilliant and for me sliced is a bit of a poor man's phone shop it, Right. they've almost ripped a lot of the same gags they've just moved it from a mobile phone shop in Sutton to a pizza shop in Penge both equally hilarious settings but for me phone shop is far superior okay, okay. and I think that Samson K.O. is a poor man's Javon Prince Javon Prince for me should have been in that role he should also have been in Bloods I think he would do do much better in the job but hey it's just one man's opinion only one of them's got a owl a owl a owl yes French <laughs> <laughs> And uh, yeah, I've only seen one film in the cinema since the cinemas have reopened and we're, we're reviewing that later. So I've streamed two films. Uh, first one was Cajillionaire. I got round to that from 2020. Oh, yeah. Bit of a slow burner for me. I, I got to the end of it and felt a little a little lost, a little behind. I was like, that really didn't do everything I expected it to do. But actually, the more I thought about it, the funnier it became and, and the happier I was that I'd actually got round to watching it. I thought it was great. On Sky Cinema, just released this week, I watched The Comeback Trail with Robert De Niro, Tommy Lee Jones and Zach Braff about kind of, oh, and Morgan Freeman as well. Um, it's kind of a, a plot to kind of scam the movie industry and, and, and make millions out of killing off Tommy Lee Jones's character. Yeah, if you fancy just a bit of nonsense and seeing some silver screen classics like Morgan Freeman and Robert De Niro, then The Comeback Trail is my choice. Nice. And nice. that's me. Preview time. highlights from some of our current West End attractions. Uh, we're moving on then to our regular show post-starter and Mercer, has there been a box office to refund? Right. Steven Spielberg's Amblin partners a deal with Netflix for multiple films per year. Amblin Pictures, the film and television studio led by Steven Spielberg, has signed a deal with Netflix that will cover multiple new feature films per year according to the streaming giant. The deal is not exclusive um, because Amblin do have a deal in place with Universal as well, but it is an interesting move from Spielberg who has always been very vocal about not being a fan of, of streaming platforms. Do you think this is the move now from directors and creative talents to just basically go to the streaming platforms just because they have the creative freedom to do whatever the F they want and the budgets to just do whatever they want? I think so. They're, they're you know, to a certain extent, from a cynical perspective, they're going where the money is. Mm. Uh, you know, the, some of the streaming services with Netflix and, and Prime invested huge amounts of money in original product. So there's there's a lot of bank to be made in there. So, and as, as difficult as I'm sure it is to get financing on some projects be interesting to see which sort of end of the amblin spectrum goes through that platform 
Um, yeah, because obviously there's a, there's a you know wide wide spectrum of, of of product that that goes through that studio. So yeah, it'll be be interesting to see. But I think money is going to have to have had a lot to do with it because it's it's there. It's just been thrown out, isn't it? When we've talked yeah. about some of the the money that's been invested in high concept films that ultimately didn't deliver. But with Spielberg attached, you know, it, it maybe that's. Yeah, they're turning the corner with that. Well, they've already partnered up to make uh, The Trial of the Chicago 7, which is a film we covered in this podcast, and generally speaking, we all really enjoyed. So, yeah, yeah it could be a mixture of the classic 80s Amblin, um, but then some more sort of Oscar prestige stuff like The Trial of the Chicago 7. French, Paramount obviously have their own platform now in the States. Do you know if that's something that's going to come to the UK at any point, or are we just going to see Paramount just putting their stuff out on, on other platforms like Prime and Netflix? At the moment, I'm not really sure of the uh, the the roll the rollout worldwide. Mm. Um, obviously, we're only interested in releasing in the cinemas. So I'm part of the UK theatrical team, and uh, obviously, that's that's definitely where the focus is for us. Nice, cool. good to hear. Black Widow is tracking for a 90 million dollar opening weekend in the states. The movie has garnered some mixed reviews so far, but is still on track to uh, break some serious bank. Interesting. Looking forward to Black Widow. It, yeah, it, I mean, it's it's been such a long time coming, and it's it's a Marvel film, so of course I'm going to watch it uh, on a big screen. But say all uh, reviews t- seem to be leading towards a yeah, it's okay. Yeah. Uh, As a but, cinema manager, I'm delighted. I think it's great. Yeah. I was very ex- I was very excited to get it on sale and get it open. It will play to my audience very nicely. Mm. It will it will give me a great box office return. Ashford will lap it up. They certainly will. <laughs> and finally, more streaming titles are headed to theatres after Army of the Dead Cinema run in Cinemark Cinemas. There's a Cinemark Cinemas that operate over in the States in Canada. Zack Snyder's zombie thriller Army of the Dead debuted exclusively in cinemas, I think for about two weeks before it dropped on the Netflix platform. Uh, the results are really encouraging for the prospects of future releases, said Cinemark CFO Sean Gamble. This is interesting because we don't actually, Netflix never publish their figures. I Obviously they never publish their figures for their streaming and how well they're doing on their platforms but the even like financial figures for when they release in the cinema so uh, we have got no idea how well army of the dead did on the uh, stream platform how many did you watch army of the dead i did watch army of the dead i fucking loved it i thought it was great oh, yeah. it was a good fun all right nice awesome and that's all the news i have oh no paul didn't like it he didn't like army of the dead. oh you don't you haven't Stop. liked anything so far today let's move on style over substance again again from zach schneider that's a shame it was fine it was it was zombies and it was vegas it, it ticked all the boxes for me i want to see the zombie tiger that looks great in the trailers think a water street and you think of film. Time to move on then to our guest interview section, and we're going to turn the Xenon lamplight directly onto our guest this week. Ben Manuel Miranda French. Uh, ben is currently sales manager for Paramount Pictures, and before this time, he was film buyer, programmer, slash legend at Cineworld Cinemas. And it's over to you, Bryn. Who's, who's racing cars? Seems to have got in an F1 car to join us on the pod today. <laughs> God, and you got you got here so fast. Thanks for joining us. Fast and Frenchy. Oh, don't, don't, don't. French and furious. <gasps> oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Start with a question we always ask our guests. So what started your love of film? And do you remember the first film you saw? And indeed, which cinema you may have watched it in? My, uh, my grandparents helped set up uh, the New Park Cinema in Chichester. And I'd often help out. Um, when I was younger, tearing tickets and uh, sitting in the screen and helping people to to kind of seat and whatever. I'd say, you know, that definitely helped and gave me an insight into into what I enjoyed doing with my, with my spare time. 
my first ever film that I remember was when I was six. Um, it was Masters of the Universe, and it was at the Picturedrome in Bognor Regis. Nice. Um, so I, I grew up in, uh, in West Sussex, and uh, it was not the greatest of cinemas, but obviously, you know, it's the world before multiplexes. Certainly, you had to you had to take what you were given. Really, it's still there. It's a it's a lovely uh, Grade Two listed building, and um, I'm sure the seating has improved since <laughs> I uh, I sat through many a film back in the 80s. My next question was going to be, how did you get started in the industry? Well, I think you've already told us that you were tearing tickets at an early age. But yeah, <laughs> how, how did that lead to where you are today? I mean, that was that was something that obviously I did when I was younger. I was always interested in the cinema and uh, had a mega pass at Virgin Cinemas and uh, was one of the first people to get an unlimited card at UGC when that was introduced. And my local cinemas were Brighton and Crawley when I was at uni. So it was one of those things that um, when you were looking for work as a student, where better was there to go than apply at your local multiplex? So in 2003, I applied at UGC Brighton and basically started there as a uh, serving popcorn and drinks and stuff. I met my beautiful wife there, who was my manager at the time. And uh, such a phenomenal industry to be in, regardless of where you are, I think. I got the opportunity to move to head office. Um, I joined the marketing team at UGC initially, and then uh, started to move across to the film side, where I was employed by uh, one of your previous guests, Andrew Turner. The film team at, uh, at Cineworld was one of the best jobs that I think you're ever likely to have as a film fan, watching films and programming them into the cinemas that you've got. And then uh, after eight years at Cineworld, um, at the head office, I had the opportunity to join Paramount on the sales side. When I was at Cineworld, you were programming the film times uh, for every distributor based on what was available. When you're on the other side, uh, you're obviously having those negotiations with the, the programmers that I was in that position. So it's kind of a picture term gamekeeper kind of situation. Um, and uh, you're trying to keep your film on screen as, as long as possible, obviously, as long as people want to see it. The role that I'm in, other than discussing the sales side, um, I'm also in charge of all the in-cinema marketing. So those posters and, uh, and standees that you put up then, um, sorry, those come from me as well. <laughs> nice. Um, I'm basically in charge of all the exhibitor marketing, which includes posters, trailers, everything through to uh, putting promotions up onto cinema websites as well. Nice. You don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but uh, do you have a name <laughs> a, a name drop story that you'd be happy to share with the listeners in your uh, movements around with Paramount? <laughs> well, well, what am I allowed to say? <laughs> um, I did think this through. I think probably... One of my favourite stories is uh, when I was at Cineworld working uh, in the film team, Heston Blumenthal came in and filmed his Mission Impossible series. Oh. He's, he's obviously a, a trademark celebrity <laughs> chef, uh, and it was intended to try and find a new solution to cinema snacks. His first attempt was to do with uh, multi-sensory cinema, and we basically set up the projection screening um, for his film. And the idea was that you could eat the food along with the scenes that you were watching and the taste and smell added to the sound of vision. Uh, maybe a forerunner for the 40X format. What I think everybody was expecting wasn't really what actually was delivered because <laughs> the film that was chosen was uh, the 2006 film Perfume, the story of a murderer. Oh. And the scene that he decided to, uh, to set this to was the orgy scene. <laughs> so we were all expecting Heston to come up with this incredible, you know, flavoured popcorn and, uh, you know, just things that really delighted. And he ended up 
just spraying a synthetic jism over our CEO, which was obviously not what was expected. What a bold choice. <laughs> that, that, was, that was probably my favourite, um, you know, name drop, so. Yeah, yeah brilliant. Forgotten, yeah. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, I remember that at the time. Oh, <laughs> man. It was, it was pure car crash TV. Every cinema yeah. manager on the planet was like going, yeah. no, <laughs> as, he, as he sprayed semen scent over the CEO of Cineworld. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. So Ben, obviously Paramount's got a, a great slate of films coming up for for the rest of this year, and obviously and beyond. Have you got anything you want to share with us that we should, uh, yeah, all of our listeners should uh, look out for? We've got a few films coming up over the over the summer. Obviously, the Paw Patrol movie and uh, and Snake Eyes. But the film that I am looking forward to uh, releasing is Top Gun Maverick. I absolutely yes. cannot wait. It's been a film that we've been working on for a number of years and uh, I cannot wait for everybody to see it. It's uh, Tom Cruise just gives his all to every film that he's in. The Mission Impossible series have been great to work on and he absolutely brings the top of his game to, to this film. They spent years training to, to deal with the Gs that they had to face. It was all films uh, with the real life planes and real life action. And yeah, the, it, it's just exactly what you want from cinema. So coming in November, enjoy Top Gun Maverick. I cannot nice. wait. Well, I'm just going to put this put this out there on behalf of the Have You Seen This podcast. If you're looking for people to come to the premiere to do just a podcast review, that there's three of us here that would very happily sit in the same auditorium as uh, the Lord Lord Sir Cruz and <laughs> uh, yeah, and help bring light to this film that's going to be sort of you know maybe undermarketed under the radar <laughs> yeah it's just gonna it's gonna slip, slip by unnoticed company's making a top cat film so excited <laughs> amazing i really cannot wait i cannot wait before we move on i've received some listener questions if you don't mind mr french oh Ooh, interesting exciting. oh yes so the first question is can you tell us more about your nickname related to this soundbite here i go again on my <laughs> What is that sound like? So can you tell us more about your nickname, White Snake? <laughs> I'm assuming this is from Paul, mentioning no names, obviously, Mr. Sweeney. But I developed a, a reputation as part of the film team for voicing alternative opinions, um, which is, you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing. But uh, White Snake was developed from that because here I go again on my own. Ah, I see. <laughs> nice. So we like to ask our guests what their guilty pleasure is. Now, this is a film that is often derived by critics. It totally flopped when it came out. But hey, you, you have an absolute soft spot for it. You cannot get enough of it. What would that film be? There's several choices that uh, I could have easily put in here. I think the amount of films that you get to see in our position uh, probably mean that you've got more <laughs> to choose from than most. However, my film that I'm going to choose is one that I grew up with. I think it's universally loved, obviously, um, but I'm not entirely sure when I say what it is, whether people are being <laughs> genuine or not in their enthusiasm for it. So my choice is Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I absolutely yeah. love it. And I understand all the negativity that people put towards Kevin Costner as Robin Hood his accent during the film. I'm not hearing any of it. It's amazing. Um, it's one of those films that regardless of, of where it is, if you're channel surfing and you come across 
this film, I will leave it on regardless of where, where it mm. is, you know, whether it's 20 minutes to go or two and a half hours to go. And there are very few films that, uh, that I do that for, you know, Back to the Future, Shaun of the Dead, Labyrinth. But Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, it just gets me every time. And uh, I absolutely love it. And I did check out on Rotten Tomatoes. It's only got fifty percent on there, so it's it's definitely a Marmite film for people. Yeah, it's a legitimate a legitimate pick. I yeah, can't 100%. I can't do that because because of that fucking song. I can't, <laughs> everything right. I do I do for you. I need to. It's just God's sake. It's just <laughs> terrible. He's not Welsh. It was Meatloaf, not Alan Jones. <laughs> <laughs> We've spoken about it before, but Rickman in that film, is, you know, that's a good shout for like one of the best on-screen villains of all time. Why a spoon? Because it'll hurt more. <laughs> yeah, and it was uh, it was Brian Adams, not Meatloaf. It was Brian course. Adams, of course. I was thinking of <laughs> no idea why Meatloaf is made. I think it's, it's getting near lunch. I'm very hungry. <laughs> it, it's time to stretch and fetch. See what's cooking at our refreshment counter. You'll find our favorite foods and beverages. Popcorn with hot melted butter, grilled hot dogs, popcorn, all kinds of candy, crispy hot popcorn, french fries. How about a pizza? Mop watering chili dilly. Everything's the finest popcorn. Popcorn. Barbecue Moving on to our in-review section then, and two films in review this week, picked by none other than Mercer. And we actually saw a film in an actual bloody cinema. We did. We did. How much did the babysitter cost, Hammond? Uh, grandparents. Totally oh, free. Nice. <laughs> Smashed it. Free cinema, free childcare. Yes. So I picked two films for us to watch. Our first animated entry into podcast canon. So this was Mitchells versus The Machines. It was released on Netflix this year. Let it begin. Ah, who are these unstoppable warriors? We're the Mitchells, the only people who can save the world. I'm super sorry, everyone. Let me introduce myself. I'm Katie. I'm sort of a weirdo. My parents haven't figured me out yet. To be fair, it took me a while to figure myself out. My brother, also weird. Hi, would you like to talk to me about dinosaurs? No. Okay, thank you. And my mom. Katie Face Cupcakes! Ah! All of us, really. How about we put our phones down and we can make 10 seconds of unobstructed family eye contact. Starting now. See, this is good right here. This is natural. So this was directed by Mike Rianda and Jeff Rowe. This has got Danny McBride in the cast and Olivia Coleman. The plot is a quirky, dysfunctional family's road trip is upended when they find themselves in the middle of a robot apocalypse and suddenly became humanity's unlikeliest last hope. What did we all make of this? I feel like I'm going to white snake this one because <laughs> I didn't particularly like this, if I'm honest with you. <laughs> so, right? You know how I feel about social media and the reliance on technology, and this film does try to address things like dependence on tech and addiction to socials, etc. And when the Wi-Fi is turned off and this immediately causes mass hysteria and the humans must make a sacrifice to the router, it's funny. As funny as the robot kicking the dad in the nards? No, that was probably the best scene in the whole film for me. But I, ju I just found this really difficult to engage with, if I'm honest. The extra layer of sketch animation slash doodles layered over the top, the Empire magazine seemingly adored. I just found it overused and, and irritating, to be quite honest with you i can see that dividing people yeah definitely yeah um i i got quite bored this could however solely be because up until this every fucking thing i've watched in this house has been animated for about the last 18 months 
So <laughs> maybe if I'd had... It's not the film's fault. Yeah, exactly. So it might not be the film's fault, but because of that, I think I might just be on a little bit of animation overload. It could well be a very, very good film. I just found the runtime a bit too much, the sketch animation a bit irritating, and I just couldn't really engage with it. That's all. That is a shame because... I fucking love this. I thought it was so sharp. <laughs> I thought it was so sharp in a, in a written sense, but also visually, the style of the animation is so, so bright. It looks like a toddler has just been chomping down Cryola Crowns and just like vomited it up on the screen. Like the colors are just flying into your eyeballs. Uh, like Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, there's almost too much information going on on the screen in any sort of given moment that the jokes are just like, they're just like firing them out rapid rate, like machine gun style that you kind of, you don't even take it all in. I want to go back and, and watch all those things that I, that I might have missed. Like the Furby scene alone, I coughed up a lung. I could not get over how funny that was. It was so good. Yeah, I just, I love it. If I had one minor comment is that yes, the I do find that style of, of drawing over the, of the frame could... Could like I found that quite irritating. Like I find that shit quite twee in uh, mm. uh, Little Miss Sunshine. I think they did that, and and films like Juno. So seeing it here, like it felt dated and it felt a bit sort of unnecessary. And also the the sort of the jokes that are purposely aimed at like the younger generation, the YouTube memes that like, being a granddad that I am now, no idea what that's meant. That kind of that stuff just like flew straight over my head. But at the end of the day, it's insanely funny. But also oh my God, this film has so much heart. The story of the dysfunctional relationship between the father and the daughter was genuinely quite moving. Yeah, I thought it was really good and I cannot wait to watch it again. I think, uh, I think it's very rare that a loaf of bread steals a film. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the, the, the dog slash pig slash loaf of bread uh, joke was, it wasn't overused. It was absolutely brilliant. And uh, I thought exactly as you said, Mercer, it was just one of those things that it's just got so much heart to it. And I really loved every single creative choice it made. Lord and Miller, um, their fingerprints are all over it as producers. And they have uh, a really smart eye for this kind of stuff. I think I've probably got Alexa in trouble over here because we've made her order her own replacement recently. And uh, maybe we're going to do French versus the machines uh, or Mitchell's versus the machines number two soon. Because, uh, yeah, that, uh, that I'm sure did not go down well. Yeah, so I went into this film... With really low expectations, the problem is that we've been we've been so spoiled by Pixar that most other animations tend to pale by comparison because of the the consistent high quality that they deliver. So I, I did go in with quite low expectations watching this film. But having said that, I absolutely fucking love this film. I thought it was great. It was genuinely laugh out loud funny. No, actually, we are robots. Let us go downstairs and find the humans who you cannot give orders to. Okay, cut it out. <laughs> hold on, hold on. I kind of want to see where this is going. Glad those robots are gone. Now it's just us humans with our very human faces. All right, I just turned the corner. I like these guys. Yes, my human guy name is Eric. My name is also Eric. No, I mean Deborah. But... 5,000. Idiot. I was engaged from start to finish. Danny McBride can sometimes leave me a bit cold, but he I thought he was great. He was great. The, the script was was really well put together. And I, I didn't mind the overlaying sketch animation on the top. I think, again, possibly because of the influence of Pixar, other animation studios are having to try and do something different so that people aren't, trying, you aren't comparing directly with, with mm. what they're producing. And yeah, for me, it, it worked. The gags were great. The actual machines were, were funny and the, the, those the sort of rogue machines, the stupid conversations that they were having. And the action sequences, I thought, were well put together. 
like you said, it it was so vibrant on the screen. Uh, the sound design w- w- was good on it as well. Uh, Olivia Coleman was great as the pal, the voice of pal. Mm. Uh, it was really good. Yeah. It just, yeah, it just uh, genuinely finished. My wife and I sat there when it finished, and I turned around and I said, that was great. <laughs> it was it was a really pleasant surprise. Yeah. And yeah, it was it was really good. I'd recommend it to to anybody to watch. And the, the we talk about the Furby sequence, everything. There's so much, and I hate using this phrase, but you'll know what I mean. Adult humor in terms of it just being for the gear towards an older audience because kids yeah. aren't going to understand what Furbies are. No, at all. And that whole sequence is designed completely around that. So it's only adults that will get that. Any people yeah. or people who have been through that period when they were a thing. Uh, and there's a there's a lot of those references sort of dotted throughout. So it's yeah, I yeah, really really pleased I watched it. It was a great choice. Is that in the lines about like the CEOs sort of going, oh maybe we should have actually stopped to think about what we were doing <laughs> as the head of these yeah. giant tech companies? Like that, again, that's not pitched to to children. No, no, definitely not. But that that's what makes it a, a genuine family film. Yeah. Absolutely great. Yeah, Hammond, sorry mate, you're wrong. It's official. It's in. Oh okay, yeah, Three that's against fine. One. Yeah, I'm alright with that. <laughs> This is where you should overlay the White Snake song. And me, you know, I'm on some friendship. <laughs> uh, okay, what's next? So, up next, we have In the Heights. This is directed by John M. Chu and it's based on a musical from the same person who brought us Hamilton. Lynn Manuel Miranda, by any chance? That's the guy. <laughs> what does Juanito mean? Suenito. It means little dream. That's it? No story? All right, all right, everybody sit down, sit down. It's a story of a block that was disappearing. I am Usnavi, and you probably never heard my name. Reports of my fame are greatly exaggerated. Morning, Usnavi. Pan caliente, cafe con leche. On these blocks, you can't walk two steps without bumping into someone's big plan. I'm making moves, I'm making deals, but guess what? What? You still ain't got no skills. <laughs> this stars Anthony Ramos, uh, Melissa Barrera, and oh my god, Jimmy Smith. Who doesn't love Jimmy Smith? So this is a film version of the Broadway musical in which a sympathetic New York bodega owner saves every penny every day as he imagines and sings about a better life. What do we all make of this joyous slice of musical fun? So... I love the songs. For me, 96,000 is, is the standout song in this movie. I love the performances. The choreography was wonderful. It looked great on the screen. It felt like a musical. But for some reason, I didn't emotionally engage with any of the characters. I didn't really feel anything for them. I was carried along by the energy, the performances, and the songs. But when it got to those emotional touchstones throughout the film, they didn't hit me in the feels like you would expect them to which is a real shame because there's so much good so many good things going on uh, in this film but it's it finished and i i felt i didn't feel any different than when i went in at the beginning okay other than i might want to listen to the songs again that's a shame so yeah, so I, I don't know if it's problem. I don't know if it's just as I'm getting older, I'm just dying inside. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> but but no. yeah, but it just didn't it just didn't connect with me on an emotional level. I, that's I, a shame. Really enjoyed the spectacle mm. of it, and enjoyed the songs and, and the performances are fantastic. Some of the 
the voices in this film are just breathtaking. But yeah, it just it didn't didn't hit me in the feels. I don't know about you what guys. What did you think to the uh, What did you think to the musical style in it? Do you like that kind of uh, Hamilton? Yeah, style I, 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 I loved I loved Hamilton, and so his musical voice, if you like, uh, and his the way he composes, I, I really love that style and that that Latin feel. Came, obviously came over in spades in this I mean, I love that style of music anyway so it yeah I, I was enjoying it on that level but you always obviously as any film you watch you want to try and emotionally connect with at least one of the characters in there to to pull you pull you through and I, and it didn't happen at any point for me with any of the characters which is odd and I don't know I don't know if that's a fault with me or or, <laughs> or if it's the if it's the film so I'm gonna I'm gonna agree and disagree because I I felt the same I felt quite cold towards it i like i love the energy i love the songs but found it reasonably hard to connect apart from i think uh when abuela died i think they handled that scene that i emotionally connected with. i thought it was fucking great when she was kind of dancing through the subway tunnel um and it was clearly a choice between surviving and moving on to the afterlife and meeting her mother and stuff i thought that was done very very well and then i think the bit of straight acting afterwards with Usnavi and the rest of the, the cast reacting to the death i thought was handled really really nicely and good to watch but the rest of it i mean i could tell immediately that this wasn't hitting all the right beats when Usnavi was kind of rapping his lines and then it would switch to vanessa and my wife out loud went "Ugh!" and you know <laughs> the film is not hitting the emotional leads when my wife reacts that way and then she promptly fell asleep 20 minutes after that oh, and then dear. woke up towards the end and when, when the, uh, Uznavi's kid's like daddy can we go play in the water and my wife went it's the fucking fire hydrant isn't it <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I mean I, I, I found it a little bit predictable and I, I love a musical I really really do uh, but I found this just a bit unnecessarily cheesy and a bit over the top but I love the way I haven't seen Hamilton but this has made me want to watch it because I really enjoyed the way that it was delivered I love the Latino beats sitting behind all of the music I love the way that Usnavi delivered his raps uh, his best friend who's, whose name I've unfortunately is it Benny his best mate I, I thought I thought the cast did did a very good job I love the colour I love the energy but I was I, I'd really want to watch this on stage because I was dying for an intermission. I really wanted to pay £11 for a tepid glass of Chardonnay in a theatre somewhere um, halfway through. <laughs> but, it, 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 you know, the, what, two hours 24 start to finish? It did, It to me, it was crying out for, because it was so theatrical, it was just crying out for an intermission. But, but that's all. But overall, weird. enjoyed it. I think it definitely helps if you've seen Hamilton, because it really gets you into the, uh, the, the first couple of scenes. Um, if you're aware of its style and you're aware of where, you're, where it's going to go, you, it was very musical in the way of literally every word is is sung or or rapped along to, and I thought it was great. You know, I went with my uh, with my ten year old daughter and was worried about the the time element because obviously I saw how long it was, and she's generally sat mm-hmm. through. Uh, well, she sat through Lord of the Rings, uh, the extended editions with me, so I wasn't too wow. worried about being able to to, uh, to to crack on to a two and a half hour film. Um, but it really lifted me into the world really quickly. I thought the the opening scene with some of the the, the techniques that they used. So when he looked out onto the street and you could see the uh, the dancing in the reflection, yeah, I just thought that was that was amazing. <laughs> yeah, how did they do that? That was incredible. Like some of the some of the effects in this honestly equaled Avengers. Like it was just that was and that bit as issue in my notes. Like the, you just couldn't see the camera, but you could see the reflection of the dancers. Yeah, it was mate. It was great. Yeah, every every single song had its own style, had its own um, little twist. I thought that uh, you, you know you mentioned ninety six thousand pool. Um, yeah. That was brilliant. The scene in the pool. 
Hello? Holy... Join together, two little pigs. Phone call. Lotto office. We sold. A winner. Yesterday. Oh. What's the payout? 96000 Dollars? Holla! Yo, I'll be a businessman richer than Nina's daddy. Tiger Woods and I on the links, and he's my caddy. My money's making money. I'm going from pole to modo. Keep the bling. I want the brass ring like Proto. Escalating, all the rich are penetrating. They are corporations when we should be demonstrating. The choreography was yeah. was incredible, and uh, I, I think maybe it just helped. You know, I, I completely submitted to the uh, the stuff. Obviously, I'm not not aware of the world, not aware of Washington Heights as a uh, as a place in New York either. I absolutely loved uh, the the scene with the abuela uh, Hammonds. It that was incredible. Pacienza Ife. Uh, was the song at the time um and it's one that has been repeated on soundtrack a number of times it wasn't just the life or death choices that she was making it was the whole narrative her uh, walking through the the subway cars and uh you know flicking between dream yeah. and yeah, yeah. reality was and and flashback was just so well done and it was weird because like uh, there's probably four or five more songs like the the bit where they danced along the side of the building in the, yeah. that gravity oh, defines yeah. amazing one they've, they've made yeah that was <laughs> I mean, great yeah, yeah. So incredible choices and yeah i absolutely loved it i'm more with uh with a uh, french with this i i was swept away there i'm not really a musical fan but i for beginning to end like this is proper escapism for me i i was just t- taken along with it and considering it is based on a, a stage show it was insanely cinematic the way you had those opening shots over the new york apartments it was just it was doing things and yes that the things that you were mentioning as well the one take shot of the of the dancing it was doing some things with the camera and the effects that really made it uh, explore the limits of the uh, the medium it didn't just it wasn't just a stage musical shot it it really did uh, push out those the sort of the cinematic brackets to give this film an epic epic feel and I kind of get where you're coming from in terms of, of sort of finding its rhythm because when it first started there's lots of little vignettes lots of little pockets of story and I did find the pacing suffered a little bit at the beginning until it sort of found that flow and then but by the end of it unlike Breen I was I was emotionally taken away with it especially the bit where everything all that momentum built towards that moment when the two lead characters finally kiss and I was I was with it like that really hit for me I was like absolutely blown away by it I really loved it yes it is too long it could definitely be cut down a bit, but that's my only sort of criticism for it. I, I thought it was a great film. My, my other criticism is the kid that played Sonny. I would want to punch in the throat repeatedly. <laughs> he was the most... He was charming. He, he, wasn't, he was far from charming. But I, what I do want to say is, how wonderful is it to see a film on the big screen again? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, really and th- this film is properly cinematic, as you, as you said, and it, it, it's rightly there on the big screen. And... You know, it's it's whilst I didn't emotionally con- connect with it, I did in- enjoy the dance numbers and the and the songs etc. Throughout, so and it and all the more enhanced for sitting in that darkened room watching it with a good sound system on a big screen. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Ha- halfway through the film, I did lean over to my wife and say, "I fucking love my cinema." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I download your podcast. I sync it up. <laughs>
great stuff. So looks like two out of two. Well done, Merce. Nice. Right. So inspired by In the Heights, then, I would love to know what is your favourite on-screen musical? So I'm going to go first because there is only one answer to this question. And that answer is Singing in the Rain. Oh, your lucky day is the 24. What do you mean the 24? It's one thirty already. It's morning. Yes. And what a lovely morning. Good morning. Good morning. We've talked the whole night through. Good morning. Good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. It's great to stay up late. Good morning. Good morning to you. It is the perfect musical with the perfect songs, perfect performers. It's brilliantly directed. The cinematography is astounding. And for a film that was made in 1952, I still don't think it's been surpassed uh, in terms of quality from start to finish. It's laugh out loud funny. The, the choreography is stunning. Um, it's it's perfection. I think it's the the perfect on-screen musical by a long, long way. So yeah, Singing in the Rain, that's my choice. But it doesn't have Zac Efron in it. How can it be the best? <laughs> so I think we know what your choice is. <laughs> I mean, I would probably pick High School Musical, but I'm assuming Waldorf and Statler sat in front of me probably wouldn't allow it. So I've got two choices. I love, I don't remember what year it's from, uh, Oliver with Oliver Reed and co. From, I loved yeah. it, grew up with that film. But my actual choice, if you asked me who would play me in my biopic, my two answers would be Old Me would be played by Eugene Levy. And Younger Me would be played by the star of my favourite movie musical, Rick Moranis, a.k.a. Seymour, from 86's Little Shop of Horrors. Nice. Oh, boy. Look, I got an idea. I'm going to go down to Schmendrick's and pick you up some nice chopped sirloin. Must be blood. Tui, that's disgusting. Must be fresh. I don't want to hear this. Beep, beep. Does it have to be human? Beep, beep. Does it have to be mine? Beep, beep. Where am I supposed to get it? Me see more. Feed me all night long. <laughs> That's right, boy. You can do it. Feed me see more. Feed me all night long. <laughs> Cause if you feed me see more, I can grow up big and strong. <laughs> I watched this film countless times growing up and it's stuff like this that proves not only do my parents have fucking great taste in films but they're likely responsible for my love of film because we never really went to the cinema or the local fleeper as it was when I was a kid so my house must have been filled with these kind of gems you know you had the the VHS cases that for some reason looked like a book um, and used to put a little sticker on the side to tell you what was in it. So Little Shop Horrors must have been in that collection because I remember this from my childhood, just watching it on repeat, and I fucking love it. So my favourite musical has to be Little Shop of Horrors. Brilliant choice. Brilliant nice. Choice. Good Or stuff. High School Musical. <laughs> <laughs> we can edit that last or, bit out. Or Hairspray featuring Sir Zac Efron. <laughs> or Greatest Showman featuring Sir Zac Efron. Well, mine, mine doesn't feature Zac Efron, I'm afraid. Um, but... When the question of the greatest musical uh, is pitched, I think it, it comes down to longevity and how many times you want to watch it and how many times you want to listen to the soundtrack. And I think my most listened to soundtrack is probably South Park, Bigger, Longer. <laughs> <Island>. <laughs> nice. Absolutely phenomenal piece of uh, cinema. And I, I remember watching this in, uh, in Crawley in 1999 when it came out. Um, I don't think... I've had a better first 10 minutes of a film other than maybe Borat 
uh, <laughs> a drunken Cineworld managers <laughs> yeah. conference, um, which, but, but both of them, I mean, just <laughs> the opening number to the reveal at the end of Mountain Town is brilliant. That immediately goes into uh, Terence and Philip singing Uncle <laughs> yeah. Fucker. Uh, and at that point, life imitated art in the screening I watched um, when an elderly couple got up at the front of the screen and walked out at almost the exact point when somebody goes, oh, we can't watch this. <laughs> it just carried on. Like it's, it's something we watch more than once every year. Uh, haven't yet introduced the kids to it, but can't <laughs> wait. The reaction to them seeing that on screen for the first time is uh, is going to be absolutely priceless to me. And uh, yeah, I, I don't genuinely think uh, there's a better <laughs> music. They, they, they are such nice. good composers. Uh, and the fact that obviously Blame Canada was nominated for an Oscar and was sung by Robin Williams at the ceremony. Times have changed. Our kids are getting worse. They won't obey their parents. They just want to fight and curse. Should we blame the government or blame society? Or should we blame the images on TV? No, blame Canada! Blame Canada! For the beady little eyes and flapping heads of all the lies. Blame Canada! Blame Canada! We need to form a full assault! We can assault! Don't blame me. I mean, come on. Yeah, that's a great choice. I think if they if they made Book of Mormon into a film and, and Paramount got it, I think that might be uh, one of life's goals achieved yeah. right there because uh, that is something I, I wouldn't wait. It wouldn't hesitate to work yeah, on. Yeah. It'd be incredible. It'd be, it would be amazing. So unfortunately, I'm going to go for something a bit cliche, but I was just trying to think, like I never really liked, as I was saying earlier on, I never really liked musicals. And I think the film that really kind of flipped me around to this was uh, 2016's La La Land. Um, I was a huge fan of Damien Giselle anyway. Whiplash is still one of my favorite films of all time. So whatever it was that he was going to do next, I was super, super excited about. And it was actually a project that he had written before Whiplash, but no studios would give him the financing for it, which is mental now when you look back on it, considering how successful that film was. So this is a story of two star-crossed lovers played by Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone that meet at the wrong point in their lives and have to choose between their relationship or to follow their dreams. Not much to look at, huh? I've seen better. Some other girl and guy would love this swirling sky, but there's only you and I. What a, a waste of a lovely night. <clears throat> you say there's nothing here. Well, let's make something clear. I think I'll be the one to make that call. What's your call? And though you looked so cute in your polyester suit, it's wool. You're right, I'd never fall for you at all. And maybe this appeals to someone. After the opening musical number in this, I was just instantly per ease with any kind of apprehension I had about him doing a musical. Like, I loved the way the film played with that. Uh, everyday mundane activity but then it just bursts into this you know, beautiful parade of colors and lights and rhythm and sound I, it just it blew my mind and i loved the relationship i really invested in in that relationship and by the end that sort of genuinely beautiful sort of montage at the end the overture of all the different themes throughout the film playing in this 1940s style broadway musical i just i loved it i was i was in tears i it genuinely it, it is a great film and i, I know it's a bit of a cliche to pick it because it did sort of switch a lot of people onto the to the genre but Oh, I love it. Yeah. So La La Land. Yeah. Great film. It's weird because that, that film is so polarizing. It seems to be a real marmite mm. for people. You either love it or you hate it. There doesn't seem to be any middle ground for it. And, uh, you know, I, I loved it. I, was, I completely bought into the concept, like you said, right from the opening number on the uh, when they're stuck in the traffic jam on the freeway. Uh, it's just 
yeah, love it. That's my pick. That's a great choice. Awesome. Very good. Podcasting Final Frontier. These are the voyages of us. It's five-year mission to explore strange movie news. To seek out new films streaming on Netflix. To boldly go where every film podcast has gone before. But I'm not going to go through it. I didn't really understand the question. Just ask us if you Fucking you, I love that film. So there may be a vicious rumor that I hate watch. I don't know if he starts that rumor. Can we have a spell every time we mention Fiji? I'm gonna go because I wanna get into my soapbox and have a rant. Broken. Moving on then, our two films in review for episode 19, and it's over to Breen. So in the cinema. We are going to watch another round. Yes. Which I believe opens on the 2nd of July with Mads Mikkelsen. I know a certain Mr. John Perry will be very happy that uh, this is going to be in review. Uh, his suggestion to us that we should do this as a drunk review. Uh, I don't know whether that will ultimately happen, but uh, I'm more than happy to give that a go. We might have to do two separate pods. And my second choice, which may prove to be, I don't know, we'll, well, we'll see, won't we? It opens on the same day on the 2nd of July on, so this is a streaming one. This is on Prime, and this is Chris Pratt's latest action year called uh, The Tomorrow War, which the trailer's come out. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure we will probably all have maybe making that sound once we've watched it, but hey, let's give it a go. The trailer looked so dull. You never know. Yeah, might be good. I like, I like Pat. You never know. Got a lot of time for him. So yeah, so those are my two choices. There we go. Perfect. Well, thanks for your picks and uh, forcing me to go back into the cinema, which is simply wonderful. I'll take it all day long. Fabulous. So before we end then, I have your question of the episode and it relates back to my favourite musical ever, which is, of course, Little Shop of Horrors. And I want to know, what's the name of the man-eating plant? Frenchie knows. He's like, standard. Oh, Bryn's Googling as we speak. Bryn's I'm not sure. I'm going okay, to I'm, I'm say now that I've forgotten and I'm going to keep my answer the same. That I, I, I forgot. Oh, is, is, it, is it a prison movie? It seems like a prison movie <laughs> that I'm just going to magically get right the next week. <laughs> that is it from me. Ben French, absolutely delightful to see you again. Thanks for joining us. Uh, eventually, it's taken us some time, but we've got there in the end. And that's it from me. Thanks, everybody. And I'll see you on the next episode. It's over to you lot. Okay, so again, yeah, Mr. French, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, really, really appreciate your time. So uh, everybody else, so just to give you all the, all the socials, how to get in touch with us. So on Facebook, you can find us at Seen This Pod, uh, same at Instagram. On Twitter, you can find us at seenthis underscore pod. And if you want to drop us an email, seenthispod at gmail.com. Please be good. If you can't be good, be careful. Uh, please continue to be safe. But more importantly, be in a cinema. Come and watch a film. There's loads of stuff out there. Come and join us. Have some fun. Come and watch the Euros. Hammond, you're definitely getting a red card for talking about football on our film podcast. <gasps> Shocking Maybe stuff. Maybe we need to splice uh, it in. Round of 16 tonight. <laughs> Come on, England. I don't know. Quarterfinals, amazing performance. Well done, England. Just words. (gasps) We've made the final. (laughs) Yeah, come on, football. Whatever. Thanks everyone for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you very much for having me, guys. It's uh, it's been an absolute joy, and of course, it's coming home. Of course, of course. (laughs) Amazing. We'll see you on the next one. You have been listening to Have You Seen This with Paul Breen, Ben Hammond, and myself, Ben Mercer. The main theme is the Godzilla theme tune, remixed by myself, with beats supplied by Landa. Please like and subscribe if you've enjoyed the pod, and please check us out on Facebook and Instagram forward slash Seen This Pod, Seen spelled S-E-E-N-E. All views and opinions are those of their hosts.
you definitely need to re-say Lin Manuel Miranda. Lin Manuel yeah. Miranda. Okay, yeah. right. You kind of okay. squished all three together there. I don't know why I try and say words on this podcast. I swear. <laughs> John M. Shoes in the Heights, based on Lin Manuel <laughs> Miranda's. John M. Shoes in the Heights, based on Lin Man. Oh my God, Lin Manuel's. It's Lin Manuel Miranda. Lin Manuel Miranda. <laughs> based on the musical by the guy that bought us Hamilton. You can say that instead. Yes. There you go. The musical based on the guy that brought us Hamilton. Lin Moan. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> Post no. credit piece, everyone. Lin Manuel. Lin Manuel's in the Heights. Still can't Lin- say it. Lin Manuel Miranda. <laughs> Lin Manuel. Oh, God. Oh, God.